How's it going, everybody? <laughs> oh, man. Well, that was good worship. I know I needed that just to get the, the cobweb shaken free. I'll tell you a funny story real quick. It was funny. This afternoon, I was having lunch with my family, and uh, we had Chinese food because, for whatever reason, we love that more than Mexican food. But uh, at the end of it all, we were passing out our fortune cookies, and the kids like reading them. And Dad, is that going to be my fortune? Whatever. So I was getting ready to open mine, and was like, "All right, we'll see what the Lord's going to speak to me." And mine didn't have a fortune in it. So <laughs> I don't know what that means for tonight, but we're going to go for it anyway. So. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, let me have you open up to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. And thankfully, my Bible's there already. Like hearing the sounds of the pages, I'm kind of against the, the digital Bible thing, but we'll talk about that another time. <clears throat> so here we go, verse 10. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness and in the heavenly places. Verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. So having read that, let me now share with you a story about hockey. <laughs> um, I, for whatever reason, grew up playing roller hockey for, since I was about 11 years old. Something I love to do, total blast. And for context, let me brag for just a moment, but I was pretty good. Played all the time. A uh, couple traveling teams, won some championships, some game-winning goals, you know, the whole thing. High school, all that good stuff. Um, and this is, I remember one weekend, I, I was playing on two teams at the time, and we had a tournament for one of them on Saturday and a tournament for the other on Sunday. And we won the tournament on Saturday, that was four games, and then we played Sunday and played four more games and won that tournament too. And it was just, I remember being tired at the end of it, but I was able to do it. I got to the end and, and we were successful. <clears throat> so we'll fast forward to about 2007, and I'd been married for about six years, had a few kids, working full-time, and I got this great idea that I was going to play hockey again. So I uh, signed up for a league, and uh, there were three leagues. There was a gold, a silver, and a bronze, and I didn't want to play in the bronze because I didn't want to outshine everybody, but I didn't want to play in the gold either because yeah, I might be a little rusty, you know, so signed up for that silver division. And I remember uh, first game was coming around, so I was kind of unpacking my hockey gear, and pulled a couple of my old jerseys out of the closet, and uh, apparently over that time they had uh, shrunk a little bit and uh, just didn't quite fit how they once did. So I went and got a new jersey, had my name put on it, my number, and uh, I, I remember being excited about getting out there again and playing and, and getting going. And uh, I went through my same old rituals of retaping my stick and cleaning my wheels and just all the stuff I'd always done. <clears throat> got to the rink and my, my, my girdle or my, my pads were a little tighter than they used to be and my skates were kind of stiff and just, you know, nothing was really quite the same, but we got in there, got suited up and I remember that first game, I, I barely made it through. I was cramping up horribly and 
it was could had I was out of breath it's like I mean after 30 seconds and it seemed like every puck was just out of reach and I was everybody was a little faster than I remember them and and of course that's because they're like 19 and I'm 27 but it was it was humbling and I remember getting home that night just thinking gosh I suck and I don't remember that happening anytime in my mind the whole time I was still that same kid that was super fast could outscore anybody you know, play the greatest defense, but somewhere along the line, that had all changed. And it kind of brought a realization to me and humbled to me that at the time I was devoting a lot of my time and effort into playing hockey. And that's why at a moment's notice, sure, I could play at a top level, but <clears throat> at this point in life, all that had changed. And it really kind of, uh, kind of got to me. It was uh, hard uh, to accept that, uh, that that had changed so much. It was, it was really difficult mentally. And uh, it was kind of in that that the Lord, in reading this scripture, kind of just brought to my mind as far as, you know, spiritually, are, are you ready? Are, are you in a place where if I called upon you to go minister, to go out and, and evangelize, or whatever it might be, that you'd be ready to go? Or would you, would you have all this time thought you were, but when you got that, that sword out of the closet, that, you know, sword of the Spirit, and it would be a little rusty, Maybe a little dull. You know, maybe that spiritual armor is a little tighter than it used to be. And uh, it was just one of those things in verse 13 when it says, having done all to stand, and I just got to thinking, I, I don't do all anymore. And it was, it was just uh, very much humbling. Um, and, it's, you know, there's a lot of things that I still have to work on, of course. I'm not perfect by any means, but... It was definitely a, a great lesson to kind of learn from the Lord and something that I just wanted to share with you guys. And it was just, as we just celebrated the 4th of July, you know, it's our 237th year as a union, and we're celebrating our independence. And I thought back to that time, I always like to watch the, the Patriot on, uh, on the 4th of July. And, and just that whole battle, you know, the revolution itself, I was thinking back to the, to the Minutemen. And those are those men that were part of the militia, but they were the elite part. It was about every... One in four that was chosen to be a Minuteman. And they trained constantly and drilled harder than everybody else. And it was their job to be ready at a moment's notice. Uh, the criteria was within 30 minutes to be ready for battle. And it was in them, especially up in the, the northern colonies, where we were fighting at the time, you know, the world superpower as far as, uh, you know, military and, and, and government. And just a bunch of colonists that had a common goal of independence. And same thing as all of us here, you know, an independence from our flesh, an independence from the evil one. And it was because of those Minutemen that, that we were able to be so responsive at the time and we were able to be able to fight the British and be effective in that battle. And thankfully, that's why we're able to celebrate our independence now. And I just think that it's important for us to, as Christians to be able to be in a place where we can be those Minutemen. You know, we're the elect, we're the elite, and we should be able to be... Uh, drilling and, and working out to a way that we can be ready at a moment's notice. Um, just something that, uh, that the Lord is just kind of putting on there. <clears throat> I think for the most part, it's our intention to be focused and on what the Lord has for us. For, for the most part, I think all of us here want to be about the Lord's business. And I think the problem sometimes is that we think we can get by with probably a little less effort than is really needed. Um, you know, to maintain an elite fighting force, 
We need to be focused and prioritizing to be the spiritual things ahead of those worldly things. And, you know, I can, I can hear myself saying, and probably some of you guys, you know, thinking, you know, I have work, I've got a wife or a husband, I've got four kids, you know, what on earth am I going to find time to, to do all this? And, you know, trust me, I, I understand. These are the same excuses that I use not to get into the gym, you know. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, uh, it's funny that I can, I can find time for, for softball and I can find time, find time for dinner with friends and I can find time for, for all this great stuff. But in one of my own areas of weakness, I can't find time for physical fitness, you know. Um, I think of Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.4, and it says, No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And, you know, it's easy for us to get caught up in all the stuff that's going on. And it's true, we all have busy things going, and there's a lot there. But at the end of the day, what's really important? You know, it's important that we're pleasing the Lord. And, you know, I remember as a kid singing that song, you know, I, I may never march in the infantry or ride in the cavalry, but I'm in the Lord's army, you know. And we are, you know, we are all part of the Lord's army. And some of us are, are new at it, some of us have been around for a while, but at the end of the day, you know, we've got to be able to focus squarely on the Lord and not let this, the things of this, word, of this earth, you know, tie us up. It's, uh, it's necessary to sacrifice in order to have gains in our own lives, you know, both physically or physically and spiritually, you know. It's, it's simple, but, you know, wake up 30 minutes earlier and, and read your Bible. You know, if you're on your, your break at work, instead of playing Angry Birds, pray. You know, on your lunch break, uh, you know, same thing. If you're at home afternoon, you're trying to rest, instead of American Idol or The Voice, I mean, you could be reading the Word, teaching your kids, uh, evangelizing. You know, Tuesday nights is a great opportunity. The, the point is really just to do something. You know, at the, at the time when I was in top playing form, it wasn't that I played hockey all the time, but it was basketball, it was this, it was that. It was always something to keep myself in good shape, you know. Uh, and there's some of us here, you know, that might be new, new recruits into the army of the Lord. And, uh, and I can understand just thinking, man, where do I get started? Or I'm trying. And, you know, one thing that I love about new Christians is there's, there's a hunger there to really be righteous, you know, there's a, a, an intensity and a, and a zealousness to really go after the things of the Lord. And sometimes it can be a little extreme, but it's, it's something that's commendable all the same. And in the following verses uh, from our text tonight, in, uh, in verse uh, 16, it says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. And I think that's probably about the most important part uh, when you're looking at your spiritual warfare is having that shield of faith. Um, you know, shields are an important part of, of battle readiness. Um, and without a good one, you're going to be battle ineffective. <clears throat> now, for a moment here, I want to start a little bit of church controversy. But on a few occasions, I've heard Pastor Steve say that the best defense is a good offense. And I have to just point out that that's wrong. <laughs> it's the complete other way around. Okay? The best offense is a good defense. And I feel here, when you're looking at your spiritual armor, the biggest piece you have for defense, your shield, 
is the only one that they say, above all, make sure you have this. And if you're not concerned about being hit by the enemy, you can be a little more effective in your attack because you're not so worried about being hit, you know. Um, I think this is probably best demonstrated by, by the Spartans. I was trying to look up warrior cultures, and they're like the top of everybody's list. And they base their entire military philosophy around uh, the use of their shields. Uh, they'd have a, a battle formation called a phalanx. And they would basically stand up in, you know, in rows side by side, <clears throat> but their shields were so large that they covered themselves and part of the, the man to their left. And it was like that all the way down the row. And uh, the only thing really exposed from them was, was, was their head and their shins. And even those, of course, you know, a helmet. And they'd have uh, protection for their shins also. But I think from that, you can take two major pieces or, or major applications to your life. <clears throat> and the first one is, is that, uh, for one, their, their battles is something, or their shields is something they depended upon and something that was uh, important for them. Uh, it was an integral, integral part, and that was where they would even have, uh, in other Greek cultures, you might have your family crest, or you might have your own family lineage, or some side of symbol or, or whatever it was. And for the Greeks, they all had the same one. There was a uniformity about them. And, you know, by that shield or by your faith is a way that you can be identified by those that are around you um, and making sure that that's something that you focus on. The second part of that is that we have to fight side by side. This isn't something that any one person can do by themselves, but we have to do this as one unit, unified in Christ and unified in that common goal. And it's... Um, I have just a note here and just says, is your faith easily identifiable? You know what I mean? When people, when they saw Spartan, they would understand exactly who they were by that shield and that red cape that they wore. And for you guys, is it something that people can recognize and see and say, gosh, that, that person's a warrior of God? Um, it's funny, their shield was so important to them, often in, in, in war at that time, if you were retreating, the soldiers would... would tossed their shields so they could run faster. They weighed about 30 pounds. They were pretty heavy. And the, the Spartans had a saying that just said, either come back with your shield or on it. Meaning even if you, if you died in battle, you still had it with you. It wasn't something that you ever gave up. And I think that's something, when you look at it being our shield of faith, that it be something you ever disregard or something that you throw away, regardless of how hard uh, the battle may be. Now, in the heat of battle, of course... It's, it's going to happen eventually. Some of us are going to get wounded. It, it happens. There's always casualties. Um, I think it's important that you press on, of course. You can't just go to the side just because something hard is in front of you. But at the same time, it's, it's important to understand when those wounds are so bad that you're no longer battle effective. It's important at those times to recognize that you do need to retreat. You do need to come back and be, be encouraged and doctored by those that are around you. I think the most important part after that is that once you've recovered, once you've kind of fallen back and, and you've uh, fixed the dents in your shield and you've fixed the cracks and gotten it kind of not as pretty as it once was but ready to carry back out there, that you do definitely go back out to those front lines and be prepared to fight again. And now that you'll be out there, you're not going to be that same new recruit anymore. You won't have that shiny new shield either. You're going to be a little wiser than you were before. You'll have a little more experience. And once you're there, it's important that you look around for those people that have that shiny new shield because they don't know what they're up against. And you've been there. You've been able to see it. 
And it's, I think it's important that we be able to work together as a unit. Uh, in Titus chapter 2, when it kind of just talks about the qualities of a sound church, um, in verse 2 it says that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, temperate sound in faith and love, and in patience. And in verse 3 it talks about the older women saying, Likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Uh, in verse 4 it says that they would admonish the young women to love their husbands and love their children, to be discreet and chaste. And you can go on down to verse 6 and it says, Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded and in all things showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. And it goes on and, it, and I just, I see that and I think it's so important it's, it's hard for those young soldiers to know really how to press on in battle because without that leadership, it's, it's easy to get discouraged. And for those of you that have been through those battles, those of you that have been around for a little while longer, it's important that you look out for those soldiers you might see meandering about in the warfare, you know, kind of maybe discouraged or, or confused and give them a helping hand. Um, you guys have been through it. You guys have survived. You guys have have made it through those previous fights, and we need to hear that experience. We need to hear that we'll make it through the end of it, and we need that encouragement. So I would encourage for you that you be uh, looking for those young ones so that we can be, you know, that uniform front. <clears throat> it's funny, in, in Spartan culture, they were, they were so focused on warfare. At, at the age of seven, they would begin their, their training, basically. The sons would go off uh, into what they called the agogi, and that was their their school from from seventh age to twenty, and they learned the basics of fighting, the basics of battle, and from twenty through the age of forty, you were in the active military. And this is every man. There was no other profession in Sparta. That was for every every young man. And you may even get married and, and have children, but you still lived in those barracks, and were ready to fight all the way up till forty. Now, when you turned forty, you weren't in the barracks any longer. But you were still in the reserves, and you were in the reserve unit all the way up till 60. And in a time of warfare, if you were really needed up to 65. But it was, it was something that you didn't get to walk away from because you had done a little bit or you had accomplished a few things. It was something you truly devoted your entire life to. Um, and I just, I think it's something, I think maybe I've observed or something that, that the Lord has spoken to me, but I, I think sometimes it's easy to to have done your ministry and, and raised your kids and, and you can kind of get to a place where it's, it's a, okay to set that sword down in the closet. and You haven't gotten rid of it, but you've, you've kind of set it aside. And, you know, without maintaining it, without keeping it, it's going to get rusty. It's going to get a little less sharp than it once was. But it's important that you stay engaged and you stay ready and that you stay in a place that you can continue to fight. You know, and I think for us as you've kind of gotten through it, it's, it's almost easy, too, to get in a place of complacency sometimes where you get through those fights and through those battles and, and, and you're kind of in a little place of success. And, and that's almost just as bad. You know, those, those I spoke about the, the new recruits and you have that, that hunger and that desire to be righteous. And as we grow older, it's not that you really don't want to be righteous anymore, but the hunger goes away. It's not something that's so key and important to you. Um, one of the kind of the best examples that I had to, to display what that looked like was uh, 
It was Rocky Three. I love the Rocky movies. If, if anybody's seen Rocky Three, let me have you raise your hand real quick. Okay. All of you have fantastic taste. And those that didn't, as soon as my house gets put back together, we'll invite you over and we'll watch it for you. But uh, we probably could have just watched that and gotten the whole lesson out of it. Um, I, I love those movies. Anyways. In, in Rocky Three, and for, for those of you that haven't seen it, and for those of you that have, we'll get to enjoy memory lane. But at this point, basically, Rocky's world champion. He's winning it all. He's defending his title. He's beating everybody they put before him. He's experiencing success, big house. You know, Adrian's happy. The kids are growing up. Everything's fantastic. And while he's fighting, there's this other fighter. His name's Clubber Lang. He's played by Mr. T. And Clubber Lang is watching all this, and he, he wants that title, and he's hungry. And he wants it bad, and he's studying Rocky. And I want to equate him to the enemy. I want to equate him to the evil one that we're fighting against. And we're sitting here, and we're doing well, we're doing great. And then it comes around to where they're having a press conference, and Rocky's saying, hey, I'm going to retire. It's been great. Thanks, everybody. It's been a great time. <clears throat> and Clever Lang pops up. And he says, I want to fight you. I want to take your title. And at first, Rocky's kind of like, ah, oh, whatever. No worries. No big deal. And... Uh, and Clubber spurs him on to eventually, he, he says, I'll take this fight. And Mickey, his trainer, Rocky's trainer, is telling him, don't fight this guy. This guy's a killer. This guy's going to tear you to pieces. He's not like those other fighters. And Rocky's thinking, what are you talking about? I beat everybody. He's like, those guys weren't the same. They were good fighters, but they weren't like this. And we have to realize that, that we're, we're fighting against somebody that's been watching us. And he's been observing us all this time, and he knows what to come after us with. And this isn't like just regular stuff. When it talks about we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, I mean, this is, this is serious. You know, I look at, at 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verse 26 to 27, and, and the purpose that was there. And Paul says, Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, and thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body, and I bring it into subjection. And I just think about that and the focus that he had and the fervency that he had. And as we go forward in the story with Rocky, I love that guy. He's, uh, they have a little montage and he's, and he's training for this fight. And uh, for those of you that have watched Rocky movies, you can't watch Rocky train and not be completely pumped up and ready to rock and roll. I mean... The song finishes, you want to go outside, run down the street, and look over your shoulder and see if you've got a big crowd of people following you. I mean, that's just, that's just how it goes. And this one particular training montage, you don't get that from it. It shows Clubber Lang, and he's fierce, and he's going after it. And Rocky's in this nice hotel, and there's a band playing, and they got bubbles going, and they're selling hats, and, and it's just not serious. And even, even Mickey's like, what's going on, Rock? And, and there's one spot, Rocky's in the middle of some exercise, and this, this blonde lady comes up and says, can I get a kiss? And he gives her a little kiss on the cheek. And Mick says, Clubber ain't going to kiss you, he's going to kill you. And they finally get to where Mickey's like, man, why, let's go back to the old gym, where we can get some blood and sweat, some tears going on. And, and Rocky says, come on, let's go out in style. And it was just, once again, just that complacency. He just didn't take it serious. And we go on to that first fight, and Rocky gets knocked out in the second round. I mean, tore up. And between the first and second round, 
Rocky's saying, I'm losing it. I can't do it. He's too strong. And it was just at that time you could see Rocky was talking about his own ability. I can't do this. He's too strong for me. And for all of us, you know what? If we go at it alone, if we go at it nonchalantly, the enemy's too strong for us. We're going to get taken down. But that's why it's necessary to have those brothers and sisters around you as encouragement. It's important to have your faith in the Lord as your strength. And one of my favorite scriptures and I, I love the Lord, I think, even more because there's so many scriptures about sports and about warfare that it, it, it speaks to me. But Psalm 144, verses 1 and 2 says, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle, my loving kindness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield and the one whom I take refuge. And I just always look to that scripture as an encouragement in those times that I feel like, gosh, this is getting hard. I can't do it. But I know it's the Lord, the one that's, that's training me. It's the Lord that has given me the strength to be able to move forward in these times. And it's him the one that, that wants me to be successful regardless of how hard things are getting. You know, and it's after, uh, in Rocky Three after that fight, um, Rocky's devastated. Uh, Mickey, his trainer, had passed away from a heart attack. Rocky just got beat down, lost the title, and, and he's in a place of depression. He's just upset. And along comes our good friend Apollo Creed. I don't know if you guys have watched, but that was his, his old nemesis. But he's an old war horse. He's an old battler that's been through there. And he's telling Rocky, he's telling him, and he says to him, you know, you lost this fight for all the wrong reasons. He says, you lost this. He says, I understand, you know, your trainer dying had you all messed up inside, and there's all this stuff going on, but... He said, you lost that, you lost the eye, the eye of the tiger. He says, you lost that itch. And he says, you need to go back and get it. And the only way to go back is to go back to the beginning. And that beginning is just our, our simple faith in the Lord and our simple love of Christ. And, you know, it was funny for them to be able to, to go on and try to basically fight the rematch. He had to have that old war horse alongside of him. He had to have that friend that was there to come back and lift him back up and encourage him. And they, they go back and they go to this old, smelly, musty old gym. And there's all these young fighters there, these no-name fighters. <clears throat> and he's like, you see that rock? You see that in their eyes? And you can see it. There's just a hunger there. It's something that they, they want. They want to fight hard. They want to get after it because they're trying to win this title. They're trying to win this championship. And it's funny, as they continue to train, they, they try to change... Rocky completely as a fighter. They try to they try to train him to have rhythm and to to be light on his feet. And and there's all this argument about you can't change the way he is. And I was just thinking about that. And it's like I think sometimes we think like, man, I I can't be changed, Lord. This is just how I am, you know. And you're not surprising him. He's the one that made you. He knows what your strengths are. He knows where he's going to need to help you out. And and that's where we can rely on the Lord to change us completely from what. We are in our own flesh to what we can be in the power of his spirit. And, you know, the Lord's going to take you from whatever fight you may have been through or whatever hardship it may have been. And no matter how hard it felt or how low you may have gotten, the Lord's going to be faithful to lift you back up through that. Um, and they continue on and there's, there's a section there where, where Rocky's kind of losing hope and, and uh, Apollo's telling him, Think about the fight, and he's, and he's telling him in his mind, he's trying to hurt you, he's trying to hit you. 
And, and Rocky's like, tomorrow, man, tomorrow. And he's, he's, he's thrown in the towel on his training. And the apologist says, there is no tomorrow. And I think for us, it's, it's real easy. And I know for me, tomorrow's the best day to start anything. But <laughs> it's, it's too easy for us to, to think about tomorrow, you know. Tomorrow morning, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into the Word. Tomorrow morning, I'll start praying with my wife. Tomorrow morning, I'm going <laughs> to get to the gym. But... <laughs> You know, tomorrow's not guaranteed for any of us, you know. We've, we've got to take today and fight hard for what we have. You know, we've got to take today and make that impact. You know, those family members that we have that aren't saved, those coworkers, the neighbor next door that we don't even know their name anymore because that's not how our communities are anymore. But some of these people, their, their souls are at stake. You know, we're in an actual fight, an actual war, and it's worse now than it's ever been. And, and the enemy's coming strong. And it's not a little thing. He's not, not even being uh, tricky about it anymore. It's just out in the open. And, you know, I would encourage all of you to really take that time to, to take those extra moments, whether it be waking up a little earlier or maybe staying up a little later and being in your word. Um, taking those opportunities to pray with, with family members, with your spouse, with your kids. Uh, participate in a prayer group. That's a fantastic thing to help maintain battle readiness, you know. And the, the beauty about even just prayer is that it's not something that you have to divert any time from. I mean, you can just pray throughout the day. And, and that's just the most awesome thing. If the Lord puts a friend on your, on your mind, then just pray for him. You can still keep working. And I just, as long as you're doing something so that you can maintain that spiritual fitness so that you can maintain that ability to respond at a moment's notice. For those of you that might have shiny new shields, look around for somebody that, that's got a beat up old crusty one because that's who you want to be by when you're, when you're standing on those front lines. And for those of you that have one that's got some dents and dings and some fiery darts sticking out of it, I would encourage you to look for somebody that's got a shiny new shield because if not, they're just running around out there. And it's hard to keep track of which way is which and where the enemy's at. And, and it's easy to get discouraged. But I would hope that as a body, you know, we can all stay together in our battle formation and that we can all be battle ready. And that as, as together, you know, regardless of what the Lord may bring, or I'm sorry, the enemy may bring, whether it be in our state, in our community, in this country, that we wouldn't be intimidated by it. You know, the power of the Lord has stayed the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And I'm guilty of it just the same as anybody else, but all too often I hear about new bad legislation in California. We're all ready to go to Texas. And it's like, why are we in such a hurry to run away? Why aren't we rushing into this battle, you know, headlong, spears ready, shields to the front, so we can take this on? So <clears throat> I just want to encourage all of you, uh, to just evaluate, you know. I'm sure some of you are doing fantastic, and if you are, please help all of us out, because some of us aren't. And for those other of you that, that might find a place, just know that the Lord is eager to assist you in those areas. Your brothers and sisters in this war are eager to assist you. And that as a body, we, we all want to make sure that each other is ready to fight. <clears throat> and if one of us is wounded, don't worry. There's a lot of us wounded, and we'll get through this together. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, we come before you right now, Lord, and I just, I, I give you thanks, Lord, that you are uh, a supreme commander for us, Father. 
and that one day you're going to return, Lord, on that white horse, sword ready, Father, and that we'll be part of that army, Lord. And I pray in the meantime, Lord, that while we're here on earth, that we would be faithful, Lord, to be walking in what you have for us, Lord, that we would be always at attention, that we would be in a place to please you, Lord. I pray that you would empower all of us, Lord, tonight to go home and sharpen those swords, Father, and make sure that armor still fits. We know the victory is already ours, Lord, and just pray that you would uh, help us to have that faith in you to deliver it. In Jesus' name, amen. So.